Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm with a proclamation of the faith of our heart the promise that relates to the coming of Jesus Christ when He, at the door of hope, will come be glorified in the bodies of His saints. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayers. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for the great privilege of being in this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your holy name. And now allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted up to heights that are not reachable for us and destroy all burden and sin that binds us. In this service, as previously, may all the works of the devil be cursed, illnesses, poverty, untimely death, demonic possession, all matter of fear, depression, destruction, ignorance and error, all of this, may it depart from the tents of your holy nation. And now stand, O Lord, upon the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might, and may your saints be clothed into your salvation, and may they rejoice before your face. Give us more of your Spirit, saturate us with your Holy Spirit, allow us to find your great face. We thank you that the service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your godly hands, and we pray, lead it with a powerful hand, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Jeremiah 6:16. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way is, and walk in it, then you will find rest for your souls. This place of scripture, our pastor has called returning to the old path of good. Everything that we will hear today and remember is precious. And this precious information is accessible to the church and those who can't be present with us physically, but are present in spirit, they can find all of these principles upon our church website, Immovable Foundation. You will be able to find all of these labors of pastor in the form of video, audio, and text. So please, it's very important that we hear and remember the voice of our pastor, very important. So that we not be uh, swayed by a different voice. The helpers of pastor are not a different voice. There are enough voices that surround me and you that are other voices. And to not be drawn to other voices, we need to remember the voice of the person who plants the word and respect, of course, the one watering it as well. And so if you have the opportunity, look at and hear all of the original principles of our pastor on the website. And so the opportunity to find or to return to the old path of good is the opportunity to come into the kingdom of heaven through the narrow gate, which in scripture is defined as the elementary teaching or more specifically the governing teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. Matthew 7, 13, 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, 
because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. And as we have noted previously, returning to the old path of good or finding the narrow gate in the teaching of Jesus Christ is not something many achieve, and this, per the many statements of Christ, means that not many who, due to their stiff neck and ignorance, will be able to find the narrow gate in the elementary teaching of Christ, but will instead inherit eternal destruction. But those who will humble their heart before God and will become his student will be able to enter the narrow gate and walk the narrow path demonstrated in the elementary teaching of the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ will be able to inherit eternal life. As a basis for our study of the old path of good, we turn to the words of Apostle Paul, who by the mercy and inspiration of the Holy Spirit was successfully able to, in short and exact definitions, explain the consistency of the order that exists within the teaching of Christ. Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, we will be reading a more elaborated version of this place where our pastor explains the depths and the widths of those principles that the Apostle Paul uh had written in a short phrase and pastor elaborates on it so we can see the full beauty of it therefore sprinkling yourself with the elementary teaching of christ and clothing yourself with the armor of light which consists in the rule of this teaching we will then build ourselves into a house of god because it is not possible to lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward god of the doctrine of baptisms laying on of the hands resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment and so this was taken from Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, <clears throat> where Apostle Paul uh, speaks of the uh, put away the, ele- uh, the elementary teaching of Christ, which in the original it's actually with the elementary teaching of Christ, keeping it going on to perfection. And so for us not to have an, a misunderstanding, and so leaving, when it's talking about leaving, and what is first fruits. Is this something first? Is this something not needed? If this something we need to put away and put it in a back shelf and forget? If we leave these first fruits, then how can we go on to perfection? It turns out to leave, leave with yourself and put into your foundation of your building the elementary teaching of Christ. And go on then to perfection and so the first fruits is the elementary teaching of Christ which clothes us into the armor of light which consists in the rule of his teaching and so in a specific format as much as the Lord has allowed and according to the measure of our faith we already studied the doctrine of baptisms including the baptism of water the baptism of the Holy Spirit and baptism of fire Therefore, according to the order of sequence presented by the Holy Spirit by Apostle Paul, we will turn to the next doctrine. This is the doctrine of laying on of the hands, which contains three ascending steps of covenants with God. And these are the covenant of blood, covenant of salt, and covenant of rest. Making these three covenants are called to happen, flow, and be within three baptisms, the baptism of water, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and baptism of fire. And so God, in the death of the Lord Je- of our Lord Jesus Christ, <coughs> makes a covenant with us in the baptism of water, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and baptism of fire. And so today we are looking at this in more depth. And why do- is this teaching called, this doctrine called laying on of the hands? 
it is a doctrine of a contract with God. The doctrine of laying on of the hands is a teaching about making a covenant between God and man and between man and God. Laying on of the hands is a symbol of the legal or legit aspect where an individual personally with his own hand signs an agreement with God where he consciously commits to serve God with a good conscience. And so as in any contract, as any contract you make with God, you need your hand. This is, uh, today it's become even more modern in that you don't even need to have your hand. You can uh, actually sign electronically, you can do this on the computer. <clears throat> you, you click specific boxes and apply a signature. Uh, technology has come a long way. Previously, that was not the case in the past. Laying on of the hand required the laying on of your whole hand, where a person would lay his hand upon the offering, and when he laid his hand, he would confess the sins and received forgiveness of sins. At this time, they then slaughtered the, the sacrifice, and this was not ink, this was the blood of an animal. <clears throat> And so we know we may sign a document today in ink, but back then it was uh, by the way of an animal sacrifice. And so the Lord says that I give you the most precious thing, the body of my son, Jesus Christ. Here's his blood. And so this means that he died, because if he was alive, the blood would be in him, but it's in in the cup. And so he then tells you, "Do you believe that I can keep my word? And I gave you what was, and I gave you what was most precious to me." We need to understand that. How important we need to understand the doctrine of laying on of the hands. <clears throat> we know that the Father gave the most precious. This was the blood. In scripture, as we know, any offering made to God requires the laying on of the hands of the one who was offering it. Leviticus 1.4 Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. In a particular format, we already studied the covenant of blood, and therefore we will immediately begin studying the covenant or the second step within the covenants, this is the covenant of salt. Within the foundation of the wall of the New Jerusalem, the covenant of salt is the fifth and is made of the precious Serdanix stone. The covenant of salt, fifth foundation, Serdanix. Revelations 21.19, the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The fifth foundation, Serdanix. Therefore, the function of the fifth foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem implies the power or characteristics contained in the covenant of salt, relevant to which Jesus once said the following words. Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It then good is good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. The phrase, you are the salt of the earth, means you have made a covenant of salt with me where you have promised to be representatives and heralds of the virtues contained in the power of the covenant of salt. Psalm 55, 6, gather my saints together to me. <clears throat> and so saints, not by the fact of their birth, but 
by the fact of the covenant of salt. When a person begins to demonstrate salt in his thoughts, in his words, in his actions, <clears throat> when it com- comes to the holy people, gather my saints together to me. What saints? The saints who have made a covenant of salt. Those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice, let the heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. The name of the apostle written upon the fifth foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem is the name Philip. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these, first Simon, who is called Peter, and second Andrew, his brother, third James, the son of Zebedee, fourth John, his brother, fifth Philip. And so the fifth apostle is Matthew 10.3, it's presented, uh, the name Philip. <clears throat> That's how the Holy Spirit uh, has placed them. And he, Philip was written upon the precious stone, Serenix. And so we're combining this precious stone with the apostle, the name of the apostle written upon this precious stone. As much as we know, the name Philip means lover of horses. In other words, in the meaning of this name, we are made aware of our calling to glorify God in our bodies and souls in the format of honoring and hallowing God according to the demands contained in the power of the covenant of salt. And we together have studied the first part, specifically the precious stone Serenix and the qualities contained in the name Philip, how the Lord prepares his horse of battle, that his horse of battle are we, upon the condition (coughs) that he unites with, he is our writer and he unites with us when we begin to honor and hallow him. And this can happen in the covenant of salt. Out of the covenant of salt, our soul, our mind, and our bodies, our acts, will only dishonor God. As one person had said, one of our brothers, I... He says, I, I respect Pastor, I greet him. And Pastor then responded, saying, Stop dishon- dishonoring me uh, in because of your absence, because of your life and your actions. And so, uh, of, cor- uh, of course, this is a situation of someone who is in the wrong way. I did pass on this information uh, that was given to this uh, to this person um, and of course when we hear these words of correction we might be able to take something for ourselves as well that we may be able to change areas where I may be able to uh, apply this godly oil in an area that I need correction and fixing I take this correction that pastor has given to someone else but I apply it to myself I look for areas we have a lot of spheres areas that are under the control of the enemy and I direct this correction there and when pastor corrects us corrects someone else we don't get upset are there no areas you can apply this oil this best of oil and and direct it toward those areas so that God would be able to heal and so this word doesn't apply to just one person so we not think in our mind Interesting about whom is it is this said? He said this. This is about every individual person who may need also this correction. Today we will be studying the co- the covenant of salt, 
studying the power contained in the covenant of salt, the first thing we will pay attention to is the nature of the seal of God that a person is sealed with when they make a covenant of salt in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Today we will talk about more specifically about the covenant of salt. In the previous service, we spoke more about the precious stone, the fifth precious stone, Serdanix, and also the name Philip. Today, we will specifically focus on the covenant of salt. Here, it is revealed in the seal of God, and there are eight covenants of salt we will look at today. First, the covenant of salt is the solid foundation of God with the engraved words upon the heart of man, saying, the Lord knows those who are his. 2 Timothy 2.19-21 Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having the seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of God, of Christ, depart from iniquity. But in a great house there is not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the Master, prepared for every good work. The seal of righteousness that has the writing, the Lord knows those who are His, is a solid foundation which implies a person who before building himself into a house of God dug and deepened himself so that his building would be founded upon a rock. So that this this seal, the Lord has known those who are His own and may all depart uh, from iniquity, all those who confess the name of the Lord, it is upon a foundation that need, we are needing. When we're born again and make a covenant of blood with God, we need to build our building. And you ask, where do I build? Here, build. Here's your shovel. Why do I need the shovel? To dig. Dig what? Dig foundation. What foundation? The foundation, foundation upon which it will be written, the Lord knows those who are His. By digging, I will know the Lord. The Lord has known his, those who are His, and may all those who depart from iniquity, all those who proclaim the name of the Lord. And so all those uh, things that made up a foundation, we need to dig them up. There's a lot of religious experiences, prayers, uh, understanding of our fathers, our own personal understandings. And so I take the shovel and I begin to dig and I begin to throw all of this out when I hear the word of God and the word of God. Uh, and I say, Lord, maybe according to your word, thank you. I accept these words, Lord. And you dig, dig, and you throw out the old and you put in the right things. The Lord knows his, those who are his. Let's see how to do this. Dig. Luke six forty-seven through 49. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. What rock? Upon which it is written, the Lord knows those who are his. The seal, the Lord knows those who are his. And may all who proclaim the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. And so you need to dig to it. It's not just, Lord, place the seal, please. And so, the holiness of the Lord, you're known, uh, you, you are my holiness, but to receive the second seal, the Lord knows those who are His, you need to dig so you can, uh, and when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house, that church, and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard the, 
who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And so this is a foundation that lacked this seal. The Lord knows those who are His and lacks the requirement to depart from iniquity, all those who call upon the name of the Lord. And so vehemently, again, this uh, stream beat, and immediately it fell, and the ruins of those houses of that house was great because a person puts all his energy finances to build a great building when the Lord determines the grand things that we build upon what we build it what difference is it if you have a large building but you have no foundation will all be tested the scriptures say we will all be tested in a specific day whose deed whose work will be burned if it will be burned, if you still have a right foundation or a proper foundation, you could rebuild. And so if a building was built incorrectly, again, the foundation was proper, you could still, you know, that person will be able to be saved in the, as in the form of mercy. But one who built his building upon a something that was not a foundation will eternally be a parish. When his beautiful building is destroyed, who has no foundation, one who has a strong foundation, a sturdy foundation, but he built his building improperly. And so everything is tested by fire. And so if, if you had built a house with, with, with other materials other than the materials required, and so when a person begins to get the opinions of other people and other things and begins to receive that, he starts building upon a good foundation all of this incorrect uh, information. He will be uh, saved in the form of mercy, but nothing more. Uh, but the one who built it properly, obviously, will go further. And so again, we need to get to this foundation, we need to dig, we need to, uh, the second uh, seal, which is, the Lord knows those who are His, we need to, to be able to get to the seal, we need to have God's knowledge. We're digging, we're getting to know God. Furthermore, the seal of righteousness which we obtain when we make a covenant of salt in the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an identification of righteousness and purity in the new man who has become a vessel of honor. Second Kings 2.19-22 Then the men of the city of Jericho said to Elisha, <clears throat> the men of the city of Jericho, these are people who have righteousness, the city of righteousness. <clears throat> but unfortunately, this righteousness does not have the seal. To receive the seal, you need the covenant of salt. And so then the men of the city of Jericho said to Elisha, please notice the situation of the city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground barren. This is the righteousness Apostle Paul uh, writes about. <clears throat> I want to be found not with my own personal righteousness from because of my deeds to, to fast, to pray, to, to speak poems, uh, whatever uh, <clears throat> he feels he may need to do so that he can be saved. And so we're looking at this righteousness. I want to be found with the righteousness that is in Jesus, is in Jesus Christ. 
So everything since in the city is pleasant, but the water is bad and the ground is barren. And he said, Elijah, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the source of the water and cast in the salt there and said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water from it. There shall be no more death or barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day, according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. 2 Kings 2, 19 through 22. And so, because of the covenant of salt, the Lord allows our righteousness to be righteousness by faith and not righteousness by the law. The difference between a seal of righteousness that we receive, we're talking about this wonderful seal, we continue talking about it, the difference between the seal of righteousness that we receive when we make a covenant of blood in the baptism of water and the seal of righteousness which we receive when we make a covenant of salt in the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that the seal of righteousness in the baptism of water gives us a new name that is written, that is written into the book of life and the name written upon the seal is holiness to the Lord. Revelations 20.15 And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so to be written into the book of life, <coughs> to have the proper foundation, but that does not yet mean that we have a building, a proper building. If a person is building, His name, his name is written to the book of life, but his building was built improperly, then he has this name, uh, the holiness to the Lord. At the same time, the seal of righteousness in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, stating the Lord knows those who are his, gives us strength, due to which we obtain power and the ability to perform righteousness. And the deeds of this righteousness are then written into the book of deeds. And so there's the book of life and the book of deeds. Our name is written into the book of life when we make a covenant in, in the blood, in the baptism of water. The deeds are written in when we're in the covenant of salt, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> which fundamentally differs with the book of life. This book of deeds fundamentally diff is different from the book of life in its format as well as its purpose the importance of the book where righteousness is written revelations 20:12 and i saw the dead small and great standing before god and books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the deed or or and the dead were judged according to their works and so he says that there was the book of life opened and It says the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in those books for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done without whether good or bad 2 Corinthians 5.10 and so this book of deeds how important it is because it is the Lord demonstrating the essence of the covenant of salt and the covenant of blood. This is the book of life. This is the, this is the book of deeds of Jesus Christ, which I receive freely by grace, the redemption in, in the redemption of Christ. The second is the covenant of salt. This is the book of deeds. And that justification we received freely in Jesus Christ because of his works, 
I demonstrate now righteousness, I demonstrate holiness in my thoughts, in my words, in my actions, in my clothing, and so forth. I begin to demonstrate this, and all of this is written into the book of deeds. You are present right now in church. You could have been home, you could have been... Uh, you, you could have been anywhere, and you came to church. What is this act? This act is written into the book of deeds. You hear and listen to the helper of the pastor you're not i'm not the pastor but you listen to the help uh, helper of the pastor because you and you listen dil- diligently because you hear and accept and this is written into the book of deeds not in the book of life but in the book of deeds because our reward our future our connection with god will be determined by the book of deeds the book of life gives me the right to enter into the presence of the lord the book of deeds allows me to be close to the Lord, have access to the Lord, to sit with Him on the throne. Or I'll be the one that He will... And so, it, not as the ones that will just be put to the uh, left or right, but where do we want to see ourselves? And to determine where we want to be, we need to... The book of life allows me into heaven, and the book of deeds allows me to get close to God and tells me how close to God I will be and in God. Malachi 3.14-3.18 You have said, it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept His ordinances and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? <clears throat> so now we call the proud blessed for those who do not, who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another those who feared the Lord knows that there's the book of life and there's the book of deeds there's justification and there's righteousness and the Lord listened and heard them so a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name right now we sit and listen <clears throat> and we we see how we, we we need to pay attention how we receive the word if I receive what I hear this deed is written into the book of deeds if I do not accept then it is it is not being written and as we know like a pencil that has a tip uh, and we also have the the racer so you either uh, Either when we're coming to church, he's writing our deeds, or he's using the racer side and erasing. I'd like that the the pencil that's in the hand of God, that he be writing and not be erasing. That my name be erased, removed from the book of life. Because if it's erased, then that means our name is is erased or blotted out. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will sp- and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. And so in this first aspect, where the Lord through our pastor Kadi reveals the essence of the covenant of salt. Covenant of salt is uh, seen in the seal, and this seal is in the book of life as well as in the book of deeds. 
the Lord saves us not according to our works, <clears throat> but according to his mercy, but will judge according and give us rewards according to his to our deeds. Again, God does not save according to our deeds or works, but according to his mercy, but he gives us rewards and judges according to his deeds or to our deeds. And of course we have this interest uh, to be written into the book of life and to in the book of deeds. And these are not deeds of course that are dead works, but the works of God. Second, the covenant of salt is a specific statute forming a hierarchical order of the kingdom of heaven within the heart of man. We'll talk about the hierarchy where the covenant of salt, how the covenant of salt is uh, shown in the hierarchy. Isaiah 30, 20 through 24, your eyes shall see your teachers, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left, you will also defile the covering of your images of silver and the ornament of your molded images of gold. You will throw them away as an unclean thing. You will say to them, get away. Then he will give the rain for your seed with, with, with which you will sow the ground and bread for the increase of the earth. It will be fat and plentiful and that day your cattle will feed in large pastures. Likewise, the oxen and the young donkeys that work the ground will eat cured fodder, which has been winnowed with the shovel and fan. And when we're talking about cured fodder, that means salted fodder. Isaiah 30, 20 through 24. And so we have the, the shovel and the fan that will winnow this fodder and so that they can eat the salted fodder. And so second aspect offers to us not to dig, the first one did, now we need to uh, winnow. It says uh, that your eyes will see the teachers, because the teacher stands ahead. Your eyes shall see your teachers, as the first uh, phrase states. And seeing these teachers, the ears, <clears throat> it's interesting as it says, your eyes will see the teachers, which means they're ahead of you, but then your ears will hear what's behind you. And that means it's directing us to the old path of good. Teachers to whom the authority and power of Christ is delegated in the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> the words of these teachers, which we will hear behind us, means that they will turn or direct us to the old path that is called to bring us to rest. They will not turn us to another or more modern uh, gospel. <clears throat> no, they will, we will see our teachers ahead of us and we will hear the, their voice that speaks behind, behind us. Here's the old path of good, follow it. And so they will direct us to the old path of good. Apostle John says, I don't write a new gospel to you. I write to you an old gospel that you've heard from the beginning. What beginning? From the book of Genesis. There was a river that split it into four and these four into twelve. From the very beginning, the apostle says, I'm not offering to you a new teaching. I'm offering you an ancient uh, command that came directly from Eden. 
And so let's now look at the covenant of salt in uh, looking at this fodder that's salted. And so no other teaching will be able to bring us to this rest. You can teach about healing. A person receives healing, but it will not bring you to the rest that you need. And if I receive healing and I die healthy, what's the difference if I did not find this rest? <laughs> We're talking about the ancient teaching that brings us to a complete Sabbath, to eternal rest. Because temporary healing to, of the body does not bring us rest. Because we're uh, spiritual people, we want to live forever. If we have, if our arm hurts, if I ha, if I high, I have high blood pressure, and I can fix these uh, temporary situations. But the focus is not just the of the healing of the body. The focus is eternal life. And the Lord gives wisdom on how to correct these temporary illnesses and other things. We are eternal beings, and we need to have the teaching that speaks of the salvation of our mortal uh, soul and the redemption of our body, the adoption of our body. And so who will eat this cured fodder? These are those that are oxen and young donkeys, cured Cured fodder, which has been winnowed with the shovel and fan, is the ancient teaching leading to rest to the Sabbath of the kingdom of heaven. Oxen and young donkeys who work our ground, who will eat the cured fodder, which has been winnowed with the shovel and fan, is the category clothed into the virtue of students, abiding in the covenant of salt, which they have made in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Rain that is sent upon our seed is the blessings of God that are sent upon and upon the confessed faith of our heart. Rain that that is sent upon our seed is the blessing of God that is sent upon the confessed faith of our heart. And so we use our mind, we use our heart, we use our, our body to be able to prepare the, bra- uh, the ground, break the ground so that we can uh, we can plant the seed. Deuteronomy 30, 19, 20. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both you and your de- your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. And I've noted here for myself to hear him and to cling to him as it says to hold fast to the Lord to, we may cling to him or hold fast to him and to hear him to know him by listening to the preached word we need to hear the voice where it will speak to us from what it will say to us in the format of sermon that it will be offering us. If we hear the voice of teachers that preach to us some kind of a new gospel, new new teaching encounters, and all the Pentecostals, all the baptisms, bas- Baptists, and all other, uh, many other denominations are, tried, are drawn to these kinds of things. 
This is a new teaching that does not correspond to the spirit of Scripture. People sanctify themselves for what reason, and they don't even know. We know they sanctify themselves to receive the occult spirit, uh, a, a spirit that is uh, has this cultness in him. And so we, after cleansing our room, cleaning out our room, need to understand how to fill it, but we don't fill it. We clean it out, and then these demons come, and they see that it's empty, and they begin to inspire you then to do deeds of God, how to preach, how to save someone, and and it's written that the demon will go out and search, and he will see that this person sanctified themselves, but they did not dedicate themselves to God. And I will come back now with uh, seven more uh, worse than I and this person will become arrogant will become uh, consider himself an evangelist will be able to shout not be able to speak calmly will be speaking things from the stage uh, and speaking from uh, a pedestal higher than anyone else third the covenant of salt is a statute identifying the order of every offering where we express holiness before God, demonstrated in our complete separation and non-involvement in both the emergence of sin as well as sin as a whole. Leviticus 2.13 You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offerings you shall offer salt. Salt, which seasoned every offering brought to God, is a sign that this offering in the eyes of God is holy and acceptable to him. Salt is a symbol of holiness, just like physical salt stops the decay and decomposition in products, supernatural salt stops and destroys the presence and activity of sin in man. Any offering or all offerings is a symbol of all prayers. If a prayer is brought not in accordance with the statute presented in the covenant of salt, then such a prayer does not have the element of salt demonstrated in holiness. And furthermore, such a prayer demonstrates resistance to God and first prompts God's wrath upon oneself and second allows for the potential of the destructive work of the devil to invade his life. Ezekiel 43, 23-24 When you have finished cleansing it, cleansing meaning sanctification, you shall offer a young bull without blemish and a ram from the flock without blemish. When you offer them before the Lord, the priest shall throw salt on them, and they will offer them up as burnt offerings to the Lord. That's how the priests did it. They would bring an, uh, an offering, an animal <clears throat> to be offered. In this case, it was a ram and a bull without blemish. And when they brought them to God, to be dedicated to God, the priest would take salt and throw it on the offering. And only after that, you can bring this offering to God. It's very important that salt is be present, as we can see. Salt has to be present. God will not receive this offering will not receive what we're doing for him, will not receive our songs or our prayers or anything else because there's no presence of salt. Everything that we do for God, we bring to God. 
we need to have salt. We're looking at what salt is, holiness, where it shows itself. Fourth, the covenant of salt contains the condition for man to receive holiness into his heart, allowing him to discover and enter by the narrow gate, by the means of which he will be able to receive the kingdom of heaven. Mark 9.49, for everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. He will be seasoned with fire and seasoned with salt. We're talking about the covenant of salt. Here in the covenant of salt we see God's fire to prepare us for the baptism of fire. In the covenant of salt, the Lord already makes us familiar with with this covenant of fire who can live amongst this consuming fire. And so the Lord be- begins to <clears throat> help us become familiar with this covenant, with this uh, baptism of fire within ourselves. The fire that according to the words of Christ is called to salt a man or saturate man with salt is the holiness of God contained in the virtues of the covenant of salt which God makes with man in the baptism of the Holy Spirit saturating him in this way with the Holy Spirit in his time Jesus opening up the conditions for receiving and entering into the kingdom of heaven confirmed this truth with the following words mark 950 have salt in yourselves having salt in yourself means having in your heart knowledge about the power virtues contained in the covenant of salt have salt in yourselves. This is having knowledge, know the truth that is contained in the covenant of salt. Because I can't demonstrate the holiness holiness in my actions and my thoughts if I don't know what salt means. I need to know, understand the consistency of salt. To receive the kingdom of heaven in the format of the abilities of the covenant of salt is to receive Christ into your heart in the Holy Spirit. At the same time, to enter the kingdom of heaven in the format of the abilities of the covenant of salt is to allow the Holy Spirit to place us into Christ. What does salt do? We receive the kingdom of heaven, we receive Christ into our heart, and we enter into the kingdom of heaven. We are placed into Jesus Christ by having this or making this covenant of salt. This does not happen during the covenant of blood. You need to place yourself into Christ and have Christ in you. And so when we approach God, as we were talking about on Friday, so that he become our fortress, we in this fortress need to allow him to be put into us, and this will allow us to be placed into Christ. And this is a process, and the process is in the covenant of salt. And getting to know every covenant happens in thoughts. And so we need to understand the truth. We know this. We know every covenant happens. This happens in thoughts that capture and abide within our heart and in our mind in the format of a statute regulating the purpose and form of work of every covenant. 
As it is, a person meditates only about those things that capture his imagination and worry him or bring about unease, fear, and trembling. Therefore, specific thoughts just like that by themselves are not able to abide in the heart and mind of a man if man does not open the door of his heart and mind to them. But just as soon as thoughts enter the heart of a man, they immediately captivate him and he becomes their captive. And only in this situation, thoughts that have captured the heart and mind of man transform him into their image. Proverbs 23, 7, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And we know what that, talking about these thoughts, presented in one of the parables of Christ, uh, we see in the example of foxes and birds. <clears throat> Luke 9:57-62 Now it happens that they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And so holes and birds, ho- holes, foxes have holes and birds of, of the air have nests in your heart, is what he's saying. And so these birds are in your head and foxes in your heart. I have nowhere to lay my head. But he said to another, (coughs) he has said, follow me. But he said, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But yet, but go and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Luke 9, 9.57-62 And so these deceptive thoughts as foxes can be present in our surroundings, but in the covenant of salt, part of our responsibility includes not allowing them to dig holes in our hearts so that they can live there. Deceptive thoughts as birds can fly also land they can fly and also land in the branches of the tree of our heart, but in the covenant of salt we are responsible to not allow them to weave a nest in these branches. <clears throat> And so we have these foxes that run around us. We have birds who fly over us. And they find, uh, they land in the branches of the trees of our heart. We need to not agree with the thoughts that we we hear. Because if they can weave uh, their nest there, then they can lay eggs there. Relevant to this, just as... The more a person will be dedicated when it comes to the powers of the covenant of salt as well as his obligations for that part of the agreement which in the covenant of salt as is his role, the more he will be salted and saturated with the salt of the covenant. And so if in our heart we have foxes, in our mind we have birds, then we will not have this covenant of salt because the covenant of salt says the Lord has known those who are his. How can the Lord knows? In the heart and the mind, you need to not have either of these so that he can find his rest there. Fifth, the com- the covenant of salt contains the promise of royal power, which in the covenant of salt is given to man forever or for always. Royal power given it, given to us forever and always. Second, 
Chronicles 13.5, should you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave the dominion over Israel to David forever, to him and his sons by a covenant of salt. We need to know that the virtue of a king into which we are able to be clothed is given to a person upon the condition that he will dedicate himself when it comes to his obligations or be dedicated in his obligations as a king contained in the power of the covenant of salt he will behave as a king this is and it's to be done by the requirements contained in the covenant of salt therefore when a lion or bear comes to take one of the sheep of the father away the sheep representing the image of the salt of the covenant whom he feeds and for whom he carries responsibility before his heavenly father He then defends the sheep and takes it back, but if the beast resists him, then he, by the power of the covenant of salt, kills the beast. You see here, the king king says that, that I have given. God speaks of David, that he gave him a covenant forever, and he began, David began to demonstrate this holiness, this salt in his life at an early age he anointed him to to the kingdom and he anointed it anointed him forever and jesus himself says i am the root and offspring of david and he in his young age already was demonstrating the salt this power of salt first samuel 17 32 through 37 we began to look for the salt that was present in the young uh young king david Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a young, and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed him. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defiled the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go. I'm sure he was amazed. He said, Go, and the Lord be with you. This young boy who killed lion and bear, when he looked at him, this was a, he was a young boy at the time still. All of his brothers, who did not want to watch the flocks of his father, they were big, they were attractive. And when Samuel saw that old, the eldest, he said, Wow, this is the man that you have chosen, Lord. Nope. And so then he saw the second one, saw how attractive he was. Nope. He said, this one is not him either, the Lord told uh, Samuel. And so he went all through all of them, and it was none of them. And he said, do you have anyone else? And he says, I have the youngest and smallest, and he's in the field. And he said, you need to call him. Without him, we will not be able to have this uh, meal. And so he called him, and Samuel anointed him. The place of scripture that we read about David sheds light upon the fact that no one of those who come to God is able with his personal strength to keep the thoughts of his father in accordance with the demands of God's holiness. 
if he doesn't make a covenant of salt with God in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and will not remain in this covenant. The sheep of the Father is pure thoughts or thinking which we receive by the preached word about the kingdom of heaven, which we are able to keep whole and secure only upon one condition, and that is to keep or feed them upon a field that is called the covenant of salt, because for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. And we will remember that the field of the covenant of salt is only that church where the teaching of the kingdom of heaven is preached, containing the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ. This was the fifth, sixth uh, component of the covenant of salt presents the heart and mind with the requirements. And so again, the covenant of salt presents the heart and mind with the requirements pushing our obligations contained in the covenant of salt to the first place or to as a priority, making them a priority. The requirements contained in the covenant of salt and condemns our personal desires to death. This is because our obligations are identified by the demands of the covenant of salt, which honor God, are the desire of God, and circle around the desires of God, transforming us into the way, into transforming us in this way into its image. At the same time, our personal desires desires are identified as the demands of the flesh, which resist the desires of God. And if care for the flesh will become the priority, then it will turn into lust and will bring us to destruction and decay. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. <clears throat> grace without salt is not grace. Just as salt without grace is not salt. They always go together and are not separate from one another. The combination of grace and salt is the combination of God's gift with God's demands or requirements. God's demands or requirements in the covenant of salt is the collaboration of our faith with the faith of God. Or as Pastor writes here, this is when we present the demands to our heart and mind. The covenant of salt tells us not what we want, but what God wants. And what God wants is not always what I want. When God sent someone, he often, God would hear the the words, send someone else. And so, and we hear that God's anger was kindled because you can't speak. When God speaks with the language of the covenant of salt, if it's in the covenant of blood, he'll say, send someone else, you see how I am. But God says, I spent my time, I stand and speak with you. And this person says, send send someone else. And so, of course, the Lord did send him to the service because, because he spoke with the uh, to the heart of Moses. God's demands or requirements in the covenant of salt is the collaboration of our faith with the faith of God. When God called Abraham so he can perform his good intentions for Abraham, God presented him with a requirement, the fulfillment of which would allow God to fulfill his promise. Genesis 17, 1, 2. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. 
so that God can make Abraham the father of many nations, Abraham needed to walk before God in accordance with the requirements of the covenant of salt, demonstrated in Abraham dying for all of his personal desires, including the death of the promised Isaac. <clears throat> all needed to die in the covenant of salt. Only having buried his personal desires to be a father, Abraham can receive the revelations about the city whose maker and builder is God, and that it is specifically the city that will be made of his children, which will consist of every nation. <clears throat> God, said, God wanted to show to Abraham, uh, look at Isaac and see this city whose maker and builder is God. And so Abraham said, I can't. And so God says, okay, I will kill Isaac. And when he had lifted his knife over over Isaac to kill him, at this time he died for him. And you see how important it was to see, uh, for Abraham to see in Isaac all of us. That is specifically the city that will be made of his children, which will consist of every nation, again, tongue, tribe, and people. This city that is made of his children. When one of the Jewish heads asked Jesus what he needs to do to inherit eternal life, he responded by saying, if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possession. Matthew 19:21-22. Every person that comes to God always has something that he considers his treasure, but is not God. Any treasure of ours that is not God leads us away from God. This person had treasure. Abraham had Isaac. He was so he loved Isaac so much. He lived he rejoiced because of Isaac. He, he thanked God for Isaac. And God says, I'm here, I'm in heaven, and you, you are focusing too much. I didn't give you Isaac so you look at him. I gave you Isaac so you in Isaac see his inheritance. See my inheritance. The Lord wanted him to see his inheritance. And so that's why all the promises need to die, because we focus our mind uh, upon the promises, the resurrection of Christ within our body. These are good things. Our goal is the new body. God is not against a healthy body. He's not against a prosperous person, but He wants to meet with us, and that's the priority. It's not, the, the, the goal is not youth or other things. God's focus is something different. Therefore, to demonstrate the salt of the covenant is to follow Christ, who in the example of the Son of Man died for all of his personal desires and made his obligations with which he committed to the Father in the covenant of salt the priority. John 8.26 I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. Being salt in his nature, Jesus went on the shameful cross, having taken our sins upon himself, and by the means of salt destroyed the handwriting of requirements that was contrary to us, and took it from our midst and nailed it to the cross. Just as salt destroys the bacteria of corruption and decay in those products that are put into salt, it is the same with the death of Christ. It has become salt and destroys corruption that is produced by sin. 
it's interesting, the sixth component, we understand that we need to unite God's gift with God's requirements. And so the gift is his blood and the requirements is the covenant of salt. And so we combine the covenant of blood with the covenant of salt, God's gift with his requirements. He offers his discipline for, to our heart and our mind. Seventh, the, com- the covenant of salt contains and presents the requirement requirements or the conditions <clears throat> for obtaining the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 25, 24-30 <clears throat> Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents, for to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The unprofitable servant is a person who made a covenant of salt when he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and became... Of his, and because of this became the embodiment of salt, but after refused to live according to the law of the covenant of salt, due to which he was cast out to be trampled by men who are in the covenant of salt. And so they will trample the wicked and lawless in the streets, it says in scripture. What lawless and wicked people who had salt in themselves and lost the salt who violated the covenant of salt. They are cast out into darkness to be trampled un- underfoot, not not by just people of the world, but people that are in the covenant of salt. And so what is salt? That they have salt in themselves. As we know that there are different types of clay and other kind of uh, things that uh, the earth is made of. And For example, uh, when they do drywall work in construction, everything is white. There's, and they use it as as mud. They they use this word as mud. It's a, and so when salt loses its flavor, it becomes white mud, which is cast out to be trampled underfoot that are in the covenant of salt. If you are in the covenant of salt, then understand you are greatly trampling upon those who have spat upon the nation of God who defile his place. You trample them as white clay or white mud. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Matthew 5.13 The grace of God in the form of every gift is given to us so that we can fulfill the requirements contained 
in the covenant of salt, if salvation which we have received in the equivalent of silver, freely by grace by the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, will not be turned into profit in accordance with the requirements contained in the covenant of salt, then such a salvation will be wasted and will stop being salvation. To find the narrow gate and become the territory of the kingdom of heaven, a saved person needs to live according to the statutes contained in the covenant of salt, and to live in accordance with the requirements of the covenant of salt, a saved person is called to study the virtues of this covenant and after make a covenant of salt in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Therefore, collaborating with the demands of the covenant of salt, identifying the covenant Identifying the holiness of the Heavenly Father is fulfilling the conditions necessary for obtaining the kingdom of heaven. According to this thought, we can conclude that collaborating with the requirements of the covenant of salt is collaborating with the holiness of God, transforming us into the territory of the kingdom of heaven. And so we need to become this kingdom of heaven. Eighth and the final, the covenant of salt establishes examples by which all that is holy that is brought to God is identified with which man honors God. Numbers 18.19 All the the heave offerings of the holy things which the children of Israel offer to the Lord I have given to you and your sons and daughters with you as an ordinance forever. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord with you and your descendants with you. This place of scripture underlines the principle contained in the covenant of salt, that any offering in whatever format or equivalent to it way it may present itself, it needs to be clothed into the format of holiness. This could be uh, doing the work of the cameras or any other kind of service or uh, working on the church website, all of these things, work that is done for the church, all these things that are visible and not visible, the ushers and everything needs to be clothed in the format of holiness everything offered needs to be offered in the format of holiness the format of holiness is the salt of the covenant which identifies the nature and format of a tithe which is called to be present at any offering to God where we want to glorify God and honor God Leviticus 2.13 you shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering with all your offerings you shall offer salt. Any offering and any sacrifice brought to God by man is always called to be voluntary and desired. Every offering and every sacrifice includes every prayer and every supplication. This is specifically why, so that every thanksgiving and every supplication and every offering so that so that every thanksgiving, every supplication, every offering can be received and be a desired fragrance for God, drawing His favor upon us, it needs to be brought strictly in accordance with the requirements of the statute implemented by God in the covenant of salt. Therefore, during the service of the Old Testament, if in their voluntary offerings there would be a lack of salt, which identified the virtue of their offering and clothed their offering into the format of holiness, then such an offering would be resistance to God's authority and a violation of the covenant of salt. And so today as well, during the service of the new covenant, if our prayers and our voluntary offerings are not clothed into the format of a tithe, which is a holiness and honors God, then this means that in our prayers and our offerings there's an absence of the salt of the covenant. Although we continue to practice uh, speaking in tongues, the Holy Spirit, 
as the power of the covenant of salt tosses us out and we no longer become useful to represent the covenant of salt. Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Right now we are going to pray and we believe that we are not that salt that will be cast out because it's lost its flavor. We are the salt and we have in ourselves the salt. And if we have in ourselves the salt, then this means that it finds sin, then holds the sin, preserve, uh, holds it in, and then helps us eliminate it. I call every person here who has made a covenant of blood and covenant of rest and salt to allow you this blood and this salt and this fire to destroy sin that we suffer from, the lust, the error and ignorance and illnesses to destroy these things. The Lord can do that here. We hear such truth, such precious truth, and this is that place where we in this prayer can activate these, this truth and receive mercy from the Lord. We wait for you here at the altar. I will be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side. He's not against you. He has loved you with an eternal love. He has given us the work of his redemption. He has stood between us and our enemies. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you and upon this holy place 
in the church of your holy nation, I open up my heart so that you may see my pain, my suffering, my wounds inflicted by sin and lust, which I hate and that I reject. I come to you with my dependence, with sin that I suffer from illnesses, fears, pampered dignity, and dishonor. I ask you, wash me, cleanse me, heal my wounds, and right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. May the blessing of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be on you. May with noise from your body the stronghold of death be thrusted out, and in its place may the stronghold of life be erected. May this be upon you and upon your children, and the nation will say, Amen. And so I would like all of us to know that all the labors we read about read about today that we we I ask that you listen to them in the original format in which Apostle Arkady has uh, given. It's not enough. Uh, it's not enough just to hear those uh, the the sermons of the waters, but we need to hear remember the voice of the pastor and always go to the originals. Let's proclaim our manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.